Hello, and welcome to Trade Records Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast Series entitled Risk and Review. My name is Neil Began, firm leader of our risk advisory practice. And today on this podcast series, we are going to dive into the topic of third party risk and what it means for your organization. Joining me today is Mike Dempsey, a leader in Cherry Records Financial Services Advisory Group. Mike, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Neil. Happy to be here today. I spent a lot of time on this topic as an industry practitioner, regulator, former Fed Reserve team leader, and a consultant assisting a lot of large, medium-sized, and small financial services firms with TPRM, third-party risk management transformation. That's phenomenal. Can't wait to unpack some of that. Before we do, I'll just give a quick reminder that this series, which we entitled the Risk and Review podcast series, is structured with five key questions around trending topics. And as always, we will have a subject matter expert, in this case, Mike today, provide guidance on its importance for faster and more effective decision-making and connecting to your business operations and systems integration. So let's get things kicked off. Mike, if you had to tell somebody kind of in your own words, what is the definition of a third party and what is third party risk management as it pertains to an overall enterprise risk management framework? That's a great question to start. A third party relationship is very simply any business arrangement between one organization and another. It could be by a contract or otherwise. It could be a vendor, a supplier, an internal affiliate, a joint venture strategic provider, anything from products, services, processes, IP, market presence. It could be onshore, offshore, offsite, cloud managed BPO, very broad definition. And I'll say there, a lot of organizations have traditionally focused just on vendor management or supplier risk or even outsourcing, but not the broadest spectrum of third party risk management. So a vendor is one example of a third party, obviously, but third party risk management goes even deeper <clears throat> and includes every single third party, such as, again, strategic alliance partners, government agencies, your franchises, charities in which you donate your time or money, as well as all your vendors. So third party risk management starts with vendor risk, but it's the foundation on which third party risk management is built. So for any organization, third party risk is simply, again, the process of identifying, monitoring, and managing or reporting third-party risks. So you may reassign or delegate a service to a third party, but you can't outsource the risk or the associated responsibility for managing the risks and regulatory requirements. And additionally, the act of integrating a third party to your organization could create additional risks. So think about country or geopolitical risks with offshore vendors, uh, concentration risks. So it should be a component of your overall ERM framework. Phenomenal. So so why now? Why is there increased regulatory focus on third-party risk management uh, for our clients? Well, the regulators have been beating us down probably for the last nine years. There's a greater use of third parties today by businesses and financial services firms. Also, an increased velocity of third-party risk incidents or events because there's an increased usage of a virtual remote work setting during the pandemic we just lived through requires further clarity of roles, responsibilities in the management of third-party risks. So there's also an increased reliance by a lot of firms on third parties, an extended supply chain geographically, and especially integration of third parties into operational processes that impact customers. So there's also an increased consumer protection regulatory requirements with the what's called the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB in particular. So any direct and indirect consumer-facing vendors need to be closely monitored and and mitigated as well. So to summarize, Neil, an effective and sustainable third-party risk management program 
really requires a clear, what I call a hub and spokes operating model integrated approach. So it requires coordination across the three lines of defense, as well as support functions. You have compliance, you got business continuity, cyber procurement, IT, legal for contracts, HR, finance, fraud, operations, et cetera. So it really needs to be clear ownership and accountability at each step of the third party risk management process. And the objective for any financial services firm, any organization should be to have an end-to-end third-party risk management process without those silos. So ERM should have oversight over the whole program, overall third-party risk management program from a policy oversight and reporting perspective. And obviously, clients could experience some benefits from from that. So let's talk about that for a second. If if you had to kind of... um, enumerate you know, benefits that clients would, would uh, receive from transforming and uplifting their TPM, uh, excuse me, their third-party risk management capabilities, what would you say to that? That's one of the things we talk about at a lot of roundtables and conferences. Really, the number one benefit for a firm is having a clear understanding of which third parties you do business with, as well as your fourth parties, your subcontractors, your fifth parties, sixth parties. So services need to be ranked according to the appropriate level of risk with the critical services identified. And you also want to have a greater consistency of practices across your organization with regards to treatment of third parties. And also another benefit, Neil, is having a clear roles and responsibilities across the three lines of defense and risk oversight functions. It's a real key benefit to achieving the right culture. We talk about culture a lot. You need to have that top down and bottom-up focus with clear accountabilities distributed uh, and, and aligned. And finally, banks benefit from having a sustainable approach to the board reporting with a comprehensive view of critical third-party strategy, trends, and issues. Having that board report at the end of the year, uh, given that kind of approach to the third parties. Thanks, Mike. Those are certainly some benefits to consider. really appreciate that. So let's just switch it, and I'm going to stay within the topic because I know we only have five questions, so we'll consider this one 3B. Um, in contrast to benefits, what are some of the challenges that you've seen when companies are implementing uh, a third-party risk management framework? Yeah, a lot of practical challenges. Obviously, third-party risk management is a journey. It's a long-term roadmap for any organization. So an effective and sustainable third-party risk management program requires a clear operating model and an integrated approach, which requires coordination across the three lines of defense and clear ownership and accountability at, at, at each step. Another question I get all the time is the role of ERM as a challenge. Well, isn't third-party risk management the job of ERM? Really, the answer to that is ERM may be an integral stakeholder in coordinating third-party risk management, but the responsibility for initial and ongoing risk management should be shared throughout the organization, the relationship owners. This way, risks are monitored by individuals with proper expertise. A three-line defense model I spoke to earlier is about to address risk management needs and regulatory requirements you need to have that risk-based program incorporate a complementary suite of preventative and detective controls across the three lines of defense. And preventative detective controls, well, that obviously assists with the design implementation aspects. And we recommend to customize your third-party risk management program based on your portfolio of third parties and work across the functions. Again, risk management, IT, compliance, legal, and accounting to tailor the controls to the needs of a particular function and business. That's great, Mike. Thank, thanks so much for doing that. Oftentimes, you know, all of the focus tends to be around benefits and, and challenges uh, get overlooked. So let's stay with challenges for, for question number four. Can you update us on the forthcoming third-party risk management interagency guidelines and the challenges that clients will face in meeting the new guidelines? 
Yeah, it's a big topic for all of our clients. So OCC 2013-29, that bulletin that was drafted again nine years ago, that was historically the gold standard of interagency regulatory guidance for managing third-party relationships. It later led to the Federal Reserve's SR 13-19 issuance on third-party relationships. We also have the FFIEC IT examination handbook, which has a section on technology service providers relative to third-party risk. And you can't forget the CFPB, I mentioned earlier, they released a bulletin on consumer-facing vendors in October 2016. That's CFPB Bulletin 2016-02. So the new interagency proposed guidance, which was issued last summer for comments, uh, offers a framework based on sound risk management principles for banking organizations to consider in developing risk management practices for all stages in the life cycle, end-to-end, for third-party relationships that takes into account the level of risk complexity, the size of the banking organization, and the nature of a third-party relationship. Uh, there are cost-benefit concerns, honestly, that have come up in the commenting process by a lot of banks of all sizes. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to third-party risk. So the final guidelines, we hope to have a more principles-based to afford banking organizations the opportunity to take what I call a risk-based approach with respect to the third-party risk management program uh, in concert with the risk appetite, the size, the scale, the complexity of their businesses. And there are also some practical implementation challenges with some of the provisions in the new guidance. For example, third parties are unlikely to provide information regarding the proposed strategic business arrangements due to the non-public nature of those arrangements for public companies. So disclosure regarding such arrangements could be prohibited by confidentiality agreements. So Mike, I, I know I said at the top, that we have committed to keep this to five questions, which is a shame because a lot of information, very good information is gonna be shared here. Um, One of the things that just stuck out to me in your response to the last question was this concept of uh, there isn't a one size fits all approach when you talk about third party risk management. So can you you provide us some of the TPRM solutions that, that Cherry Beckard offers and how it can help clients start their journey up this maturity curve that you, that you've talked about today, and, and obviously it's not a one size fits all approach. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about that. Thanks, Neil. We assist our clients obviously in, in design, implementation, transformation again of sustainable third party risk management programs. We hope to deliver short term, long term outcomes in alignment with the regulatory expectations and the value proposition of third party risk. So our approach is more tailored to bring a unique value proposition again and drive success. So we use a maturity model from a gap assessment perspective. It measures key program capabilities, balanced with regulatory expectations and leading practices to assist our clients in rapidly assessing their program strengths and opportunities for improvements. So regulatory gap, maturity or current state assessments are usually our first step with a client. And then we focus on a prioritized roadmap to enable TPRM transformation as a phase two. So really optimizing the organizational model supporting TPRM remains the most challenging aspect of the program design. And one final message for our audience is you can outsource the activity to a third party, but you can't outsource the risk. So that's that's absolutely right. So kind of a two-phased approach that you talked a little bit uh, today on. And, and if folks want to receive and, and hear more information, certainly we, we invite them to reach out um, and, and we can learn more about how your business can begin your third-party risk management journey. Uh, we ask that you visit cbh.com forward slash risk. Um, Mike, this was the second podcast within this series, the Risk and Review series. It's uh, been extremely informative and fun, and this one pretty quick. And I think that's a, a credit to the speed at which you and I 
both speak. So thank you for doing that and thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Also want to thank our audience for listening and ask that you stay tuned for more risk topics in the series, including Sarbanes-Oxley compliance, ESG, information technology, enterprise risk management, and many more. Please like, share, and subscribe to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. And thanks again for listening.